Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, the podcast that makes you the authority in orthodontics in your community. Get ready for insights on how to compete on expertise and trust against mail order in retail orthodontics. It's not always about the lowest fees. And now, from the People in Practice team, your hosts, Dr. Leon Klempner and Amy Epstein. Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists. My name is Leon Klempner. I'm a retired orthodontist from Long Island, New York, and co-founder and CEO of People in Practice. We're a marketing and consulting company for orthos. I'm also a key opinion leader for a number of different orthodontic companies, and I really love the blues. And if you get an opportunity, you got to go see Rick Estrin and the Nightcats. It used to be Charlie and the Nightcats, but Charlie retired. But mm-hmm. Rick Estrin is really unbelievable. You won't be disappointed. Amy and I started this podcast to bring in the best thought leaders in the field so that we could gain as much information and insight as to how to best respond to uh, what appears to me to be an attack on our specialty. And as usual, this episode won't disappoint. Uh, I want to give a shout out to some of the orthos that have uh, come up to me over the last couple of months and, uh, and, and congratulated us on the podcast and, and told us how much they enjoyed it. It really means a lot to me. Amy and I are not professional podcasters, but we're, not. we're learning and we're trying to bring some good information. So it's really nice when somebody comes and acknowledges it. So we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So let's get on with it. Today, I'm really excited to bring Charlene White on as our guest. Uh, But before we formally introduce her, let me introduce you to my partner, my co-host, my daughter, and our marketing guru, Amy Epstein. Ooh, that gets better every time. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm Amy Epstein. I have, uh, well, I'm Leon's daughter, first and foremost. I also have almost 20 years of marketing experience, both within orthodontics and outside of it, um, specializing in branding and public relations with large companies, small companies, everything in between, and working on, um, with regard to orthodontics, specifically helping with lead generation campaigns and awareness in the digital realm. So... As my dad said, thanks for listening in today because we have Charlene White with us, and she is a very well-respected orthodontic practice management consultant. She has 35 years or more experience in the field, and her company, which is called Progressive Concepts, specializes in orthodontic consulting services, practice management workshops, group seminars, and training, both in office and outside of the office. So let me tell you a little bit of Charlene's background so you can get to know her before we hear from her. Uh, She was born and raised in Norfolk, Virginia, and her parents had one very big dream for her, and that's that she should graduate from college. And in fact, Charlene was the first member on either side to reach that goal, which is an amazing accomplishment. Her career also began in Norfolk with Dr. Bill Tuggle, Uh, who was a dentist in in the area, and she spent five years there first as his office manager, so really knows the inner workings of a dental practice. She regards him as not only a mentor, but a friend, 
And it's around that time that, uh, that she attended her first practice management seminar and knew immediately that that's what she wanted to do with her career. Charlene, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. So Charlene, you're a very well-respected orthodontic consultant. You've got tons of experience. And at People in Practice, you know, we work hard uh, with our clients to provide them with important marketing data. And so they can determine ROI on their marketing efforts. So here's my question to you. When you review the key performance indicators for a practice, uh, what are the things that you look at? What are the most important things that you see in, in evaluating a practice? Well, the first thing that I look at is the net production compared to the net collections. Because so often I hear from the doctor and the team, oh my God, we're so busy, we're so busy. Well, I look at that one key performance indicator. And when that net production is lagging behind $200,000 or more um, less than net collections, then I know that the next year they're going to have a drop in their net collections unless we fix this drop in the net production. And many are not looking at that number. And I tell the team, you know, I know you feel busy and you saw 100 patients today. However, the reality is this. If we don't fix this production issue, then the next year uh, the practice will have less income. So that's one major area. The other that many people also don't think about is I'm evaluating all of the uh, clinical efficiency KPIs because the clinical efficiency is the foundation to um, appointment book control, patient flow, uh, lowered stress in the office, and lower overhead. And so I dig deep into the clinical efficiency. I just wrote an article from the dental uh, assisting point of view, uh, the orthodontic assisting point of view the other day. I haven't quite finished it yet, but it's so interesting because, um, you know, how many patients does each assistant see? Ideally, they should be able to see 15 patients per day on average, and quite often uh, I see 8, 9, 10. Uh, it's just not productive. And so a lot of people don't realize the impact of clinical systems that are inefficient. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, that data is very valuable because, you know, when you're practicing uh, on your own, as I don't speak for myself, when I was practicing, I didn't have, you know, any feedback from anybody. We're kind of uh -huh. isolated and you're, you're just rolling along not knowing, you know, how many assistants to have and you just, you know, you, you feel you're busy, so you hire. So the data is great. And I'm particularly, I want to emphasize that first point that you made, which is, the difference between the production and collection, because we see this a lot when orthos reach out to us in panic, and and you know I I need new patients. All you know things are now all of a sudden I you know I'm having trouble meeting my expenses, and in ortho it's like a two year span yes. before you actually feel exactly. that drop in production. That's exactly right. And the mm -hmm. doctor typically is looking at the P&L report they got from their accountant. They're not looking at net, produ net production. Mm -hmm. And of course, I, I look at probably 60 KPIs when I, you know, so that's, I just picked a few that I thought were, you know, definitely key areas that I often see is not, not being tracked. And the other is production per day. So I look at the number of doctor days divided into the production. I like for my clients to be at least 9,000 a day. 
and, mm-hmm. and, and higher because if the average contract fee is $5,000 or $6,000 and you're doing you know, two starts a day or three starts a day, that production should be much higher than $9,000. And that's a, that I hear from the treatment coordinator, oh, I see six new patients a day. If I do the math, how many of these new patients that were seen divided by the number of days worked and they see 3.5. Right. So I just had a client that was getting ready to hire a second TC and the reality is they were averaging 3.5. I said, you don't need another TC. We need to make this one busy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. I mean, what you really bring is the data behind explaining why you're feeling a certain way, because just because it feels busy doesn't actually mm-hmm. mean necessarily that more team members need to be added if the mm-hmm. efficiency is the issue. So it's important to, to look at these numbers. And your expertise in marketing, you know how important it is for you to track the ROI. Well, you know, that's usually also another area that, that they do not review is really know how to re- <laughs> evaluate their mm-hmm. ROI. Yeah. It just underscores the importance of data. Um, and I don't know, Dad, you had a phrase that you use, like you can't, you can't, something that you can't measure. What is it that you Well, yeah, you can't phrase? improve what you don't, improve what what you you don't measure, right? Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just uh, you know, we're, we're so data-driven in so many clinical areas as orthodontists. That's I mean, right. we live within a, you know, five to 10 millimeter range, everything that we do. <laughs> and so we're, we're so focused on it. Um, in, in our clinical lives, but in, in the, on the business side of it, we tend not to pay that much attention to it. Mm-hmm. So, Charlene, you know, you obviously have a lot of clients, and you've engaged with, uh, you know, tons of orthodontic practices um, in your career. Tell us a little bit about the the best practices that you see or that you've helped develop for your clients, uh, especially nowadays as the industry is changing so rapidly. Mm-hmm. Well, the clients that I have that are extremely successful, they are right now working very hard to go to as many lectures as they possibly can and learn how to more effectively market their practice. Uh, because uh, quite often they have really, we've worked on many of their business systems, their KPIs and so forth over the years. But now they know that they're going to have to go direct to market. That's going to be extremely important. So they're spending more, they're learning you know, they're writing books, uh, they're opening additional locations, they're thinking ahead about, you know, the future of their practice, and how can they, you know, go direct to market and not depend on referrals coming in, which have dropped to 35% or less coming in from dental offices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah we, we talk about that a lot with our clients that are used to uh, being fed their patients directly from their uh, primary care dentists or pediatric dentists in their area and how even though they may, they may still be seeing some of those they they are on the decline and drying up and and we can't rely on that for our future right and you know our experience has been those practices that have em- embraced the direct to patient marketing through through digital efforts whether they're our clients or not those are the practices that uh, understand the change in marketplace. Mm-hmm. And you know the digital marketing that we do is, is a layer placed on top of the internal marketing that we're all used to. So it's not one or the other, uh, it's now become both. Right. Yes. The, 
the other sort of dual layer thing here that it's it's so helpful to talk about with you, Charlene, is that it is so important that the internal processes are really tight uh, by the time that you do go to market um, to the to consumers, because you want to make sure if you're filling this bucket that you're filling it, uh, you know, there aren't any holes in it. Um, you know, efficiency is as tight as it can be so that, and conversion rates are really high so that you're making the most of all of that marketing effort. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of my favorite topics is, you know, the 20 to 30% they're leaving on the table in the consult room. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we, you know, um, are, are evaluating our, our clients in this respect and trying to sort of identify that as a, an area where they, they should seek some consultation for improvement because it's such a mm -hmm. big opportunity. If the calls are coming and everything is great, but then you're leaving, leaving patients on the table, it's just right. uh, low-hanging fruit, really. And especially the so, recall patients. <laughs> Right. Actually, absolutely. Can we talk a little bit that, about that as well? Yeah, I love to talk about recall patients because, you know, it's just so fantastic to build a really healthy recall system. You've got the kids loving the office, enjoying the experience. And, you know, this is another area, recall patients who are ready and also between phases patients who are ready. Quite often, those two numbers are not tracked Amy and the KPIs. Mm -hmm. So, and it's really empowering because when they really have an efficient recall system and have it down, I have a lot of the TCs that I work with are closing at 100%, you know, 90%, 80%, but many months they're closing at 100% on those recalls. So, and they have very few who don't have a real appointment in their office. So, wow, Charlene, so, so how, do, how do you keep them engaged? I think one of the problems I had in my practice is. You know, let's say I'd see a, an eight-year-old that, you know, wasn't ready. We are really waiting for teeth. And, you know, it could be four years before they're really ready. There was no advantage of any early treatment. But, you know, on the one hand, you want to bring them in on a regular basis. But on the other hand, you don't want to burn them out and have them coming in really for nothing. So it was like that balance. You didn't want to lose them by saying, well, I'll come back in two years. But you didn't want to bring them in every couple of months because it was a waste of everybody's time. How do you how do you balance that? Well, I balance that because I think once a year is enough, and the moms are you know, the parents are really sharp, and they know what teeth you're looking for to come in. And sometimes they'll call and say, you know, that tooth hasn't come in yet. Uh, is it okay if I reschedule? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I think once a year, and one of the things that some of my clients do is that they have a like a recall day. And so they have a kind of a party atmosphere with pizza and different things. And they may see uh, one office, you saw, they saw 130 recall patients in one day. Uh, so you can create that, that fun atmosphere in a group setting, uh, or you can have them come back in a year. But just make sure that the office environment is a place where they, they're having a good time. It's, they see that this, you know, is really for them, like getting the Slurpee after the visit, uh, things like that. That um, mm. I think, you know, yeah. creating that fun atmosphere where they're running around having a great time. I saw a 12 year old, I couldn't believe it, say to his dad right in the middle of a consultation, he turned around and looked at his dad, he said, Dad, Dad. He said, Yes, son. He, he said, I love this place. <laughs> I thought it was so neat. <laughs> really, yeah, that's what you want to hear. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, to complement exactly what you're saying, you know, from a. 
from a marketing perspective, too, I think there are some really good opportunities to keep in touch with recall parents um, just on an ongoing mm-hmm. basis. It's not only that, you know, they they need to see you every year. Of course, they do. Uh, and providing an environment like the one you described is a great way to keep them on board with the practice, mm-hmm. um, but also just you know on a regular basis, let them know what's happening at the practice. Let them participate in the things happening at the practice. Invite them to the patient appreciation events, things like that. Contests. They should be involved, so they're considered. They feel like patients still, mm-hmm. you know, even if they're not quite in treatment yet. So exactly. So. Charlene, what we do on the podcast is invite um, listeners to submit questions um, for you. So we do have a caller question, and uh, we'll go ahead and play that now. This is Dr. Daniel Floyd. I started a practice in the Portland, Oregon area a little over a year ago. And Dr. Klempner, I've really enjoyed your podcast so far, and I appreciate you taking my question. Charlene, I know you talk a lot about building the peak performance team, but how exactly do you do that? Well, actually, in creating the peak performance team, you really have to you know, take some educational courses about human relations, uh, the HR courses, because one of the things that quite often is put on the back burner is staff management. Uh, it's so important to, as the orthodontists have become busier and busier, spending evenings in the computer, treatment planning, and so forth, it's really important for them to have a clinical manager, uh, an office manager, and these people need to be trained. So one of the things that I look at, if you get the people on, on the bus sitting in the right seats, that's from the famous book, Good to Great, that's what you need. So you have to have hone your skills in the hiring process, um, of course, work with a practice management consultant you know, who can help you with this. Uh, then once you learn uh, how to hire well and how to do things like uh, reviews and so forth, uh, then you're be working on your leadership skills and your managers are working on their management skills. Uh, and I have a, an, uh, on my website, charlenewhite.com, an article called Do I Need an Office Manager? I have a lot of articles there that I've written. And this is very telling. So when you take this, read this article and take this little self-test that I have, it really has helped you to determine are you ready for a manager? So then when you embrace that uh, and then you and your your one or two managers or more uh, get continuing education together, uh, then you're well on your way. Now all the other uh, part of the peak performance uh, team uh, they're working hard to making sure they're reaching their goals. They're they're accountable for um, the things that they're responsible for, and there's a good system for follow up, so nothing will slip through the t- cracks. Mm-hmm. Charlene, thanks for that. That's uh, super helpful. Um, so let's let's let me ask you like a hypothetical question. So um, let's say. I'm a new patient that comes into an orthodontic practice uh, for a first-time consultation for my, you know, 12-year-old. What do you think is the most important factor for me, uh, or what's your observation in terms of, you know, who I decide to start with as as the orthodontist for my child? Uh, well, I think the most important thing is making sure that the the patient feels. Um, 
feels good about the process because people make buying decisions based upon how they feel and I've read uh, several articles about that. So most of our decision making is made with the right brain. So, so often we're so wanting to give them all this information, but we're not making a connection on you know a personal level. Uh, and so one of the things that, that I like to do is to look at the process from, from everything. Of go, how do they feel when they go to your website? Do they feel like it's cumbersome or they feel like it's easy to use? Um, when they are greeted at the front desk, would they have rated that as excellent, good, average, or needs improvement? One of my favorite things is I love to give them my, call it mom's quick and easy form. It takes them like two minutes to fill it out. Great questions. All they have to do is just check off. And then if they say yes to treatment, then we get the, the in-depth medical history and so forth. I want, the, I want that um, mom or dad to feel like, you know, this process is easy. Uh, so I think that that feeling part of it is something that a lot of offices have really concentrated more on getting information, like, you know, right away asking for the insurance card. I want the insurance card, but you want to pad that with, with um, good feelings. Let me follow up on that a little bit. Because um, the leaky bucket thing is something that really um, is upsetting to us as marketers. Because orthos come to us because they want leads. They want uh, consultations, requests from qualified people in their area to uh, call their office for consultations. And that's our job. But if you don't start those cases... It doesn't do you any good. And, um, you know, when I talk about conversion rates with some of the orthodontists, um, it, it, it's not a pretty sight in many areas. And in fact, we began, we've begun tracking uh, conversion rates for many of our clients because, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to keep pouring new patients into that leaky bucket. So, you know, we have you on the podcast. Our listeners come to our podcast because they're interested in tips and, and, and insights. You've had so much experience. Help, help me start more cases with the orthos that are listening. Um, what do they have to do? You know, is it, is it the fee? Is it the initial payment? Is it the monthly payment? Is it the way they're bringing the patients through the office? You know, if you had to kind of like just to narrow it down what what would you what advice would you give flexible financing for sure sometimes it's a fee but more often than not it's the mm. the high down payments the lack of flexibility at the number of months you know the average american is going to have five hundred dollars to put down on anything they have a ideally they like a payment of hundred and fifty dollars a month that can be easy to do if the patient has orthodontic insurance benefits but if they don't you're just looking at, you know, if you do not make the, the paradigm shift to more flexible financing and leveraging uh, and being, uh, you know, willing to offer more flexible financing in your office, uh, then you're going to ha- leave a lot of 20, 30 percent of case acceptance on the table. Uh, so the doctors who are still living in that age of I've got to get 25 to 30 percent down and get it paid in 16 months, it doesn't work. I had a client just last year. They were at 44% case acceptance. They started immediately putting the changes into place that, that I recommended, and their production went up $400,000 that year. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. $400,000. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and for those orthos out there listening, pay attention to this. 
I mean, this is something Amy and I have found and, and are working with our practices as well. The single most important thing that you could do is be more flexible with your uh, finances. Go out a little bit more. Our, our, our delinquency rates, if you have automatic payments and you have good financial um, uh, systems in place, mm-hmm. um, you could go out six months. Mm-hmm. or nine months sometimes uh, with, with patients to make it affordable and let them get started. These right. are all changes. We're in a different environment than it was when I practiced. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a, it's totally different. And, and, right. and those practices that are making those changes are mm-hmm. flourishing. They're doing great. Right. So, um, you, know, th- you know, thank you for, for pointing that out because um, it, it, it's such an important thing. You've given us a, a, a lot of of really good pointers, Charlene. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Your website is also a really great resource. And so if our listeners want to learn more about Charlene and her services, um, you can visit the website at charlenewhite.com. Charlene, on behalf of both of us and the entire orthodontic community, um, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. And I'll be in New York City December 6th for my new patient coordinator marketing workshop and the mastering on the day after, December 7th. So I'm looking forward to coming to the city. Wonderful. And how do they sign up for that? Uh, they can go to charlenewhite.com, click on workshops, and I'll carry right through the whole registration process. Perfect. Charlene, Perfect. thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. We have an excellent lineup of guests moving forward. Uh, our next guest will be Landy Chase. We just talked a little bit about conversions, and Landy has some expertise in that area. Um, so be sure to listen in. Uh, you can also download other episodes and sign up for our marketing newsletter. And if you enjoy the podcast, we'd appreciate you telling uh, one of your colleagues. A uh, few quick things that I want to sign off with. I'll be presenting a marketing webinar sponsored by Dental Monitoring on Tuesday uh, January 9th. I'll be discussing how to disrupt the disruptors using uh, DM to capitalize on big brand marketing for your own growth. And I'll also be at the DM annual summit in April. Uh, it'll be April 2nd through the 4th in Austin. You can register on the DM website, dental-monitoring.com. And finally, an important thing to note is uh, People in Practice offers geographic exclusivity to our clients. You won't find that with very many, if any, marketing companies. We're not going to compete against ourselves. We, we, we see that as an ethical issue. Uh, if you're interested in growing your practice, contact us. Uh, see if your area is available, um, and we'll give you a complimentary uh, and comprehensive marketing analysis and action plan. So until next time. Oh, wait, remember, can I do it? Yes, you can do it. Until next time, remember, the golden age of orthodontics is ahead. Nice. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, where we help your practice grow within a massively disrupted industry. Subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on social media. Find us online at thesurvivalguidefororthodontists.com.